0: of Not The Night To Extra. This is not our usual weekly show, but we are used to talking about the National League and all things involving it this week, and sometimes going a little further beyond it. But today, you're turning into a show packed with enthusiasm, uh, not so much news or views, but more an interview into what's been an ex- another explosive week in the National League. We're going to have our weekly show tomorrow. But today we have a very special guest with us. who has got a lot of experience, a lot of uh, know-how about the game in non-league terms. He's says, up a fair few appearances. We're going to introduce him shortly. But before we do that, let's get those uh, administrative uh, things out of the way. First of all, thank you to the imparting. As always, they give us our intro song, A Stranger Living in My Head. They're our friends up in Scotland. Great band, lovely song, and... It's always one to keep your ears hooked to. If you're interested in listening to them, they're out on Spotify. Follow them on there, and they'll always have some good tunes out for you to listen to. Also, to family sports, best non-league dripping art. Well, me and Tom's opinion. uh, But they make some great kisses, excellent non-league attire as well. And as always, both of their socials will also be in the description as well. Okay, so most important factor of today. Let's bring in our guest. He has racked up 692 appearances for nine clubs over a 22-year career. He's also the current manager of National League South Hemel Hempstead. Uh, brother of Mark, it is Lee Burcham. Lee, thank you for coming on today. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Yeah, he's a brother of me. Let's have it right. It's, it's not that <laughs> way. Let's have it the right way around. I'm the oldest one, so uh, it's me first, Mark second.
0: <laughs> mm, it works well that way, doesn't it? Fantastic. Yeah, all good, all good. Excellent. Well, first, it's lovely to have you on. Me and Tom are very excited for this because, obviously, it's been another crazy week in the National League. We normally do our weekly show this week. But seeing as you're on, you can add one or two cents on the situation because being, a manager, <laughs> being a manager, it is a challenge, especially with a numerous uh, new things cropping up every single day. So let's talk about, obviously, the shutdown before we get on to the, the controversial stuff. Yeah. This season has been an abnormally shorter season for you, as I'm sure you're used to the, the grind from August until yeah. May. How have you yeah. found this shutdown period?
1: What the which one? Which which, which the latest one or the, the older shut older Probably both. Um it's it's been crazy. It, it's, it's no secret. I mean, even going into the pre-season was we, we was first of all we was coming back in September. Then we got told... Well, first of all, it was August as normal. Then it was September. Then lastly, it was October by the time we finally got back into it. Um, it was going to be fans, non-fans. Um, and then even when the season started, you only had to... You had cases of COVID within other teams. And you n- you never knew, even in your own camp, what players you'd have available or not or what teams would have to call the game off through COVID. So it was pretty much... You you, you managed it week by week, probably day by day, a little bit of time. So... It'll be a season never to be repeated, um, and also in the lockdown period, it, it was hard keeping, keeping all the boys focused and and, and keep, keep going, you know, and keep believing in what they're doing, because at any stage it could have been it could have been pulled, and unfortunately it did after a while, which which killed us. But um, it's just a, a weird season, and we just put it all behind us.
0: For you, obviously, you've been in management for a very short period of time, but I'm sure you've gained a lot of knowledge and know-how about the challenges involved of being a manager, especially at the level that you're at, which is ultra competitive in a normal season. But how challenging has it been for you as Helmut Hampstead manager this season, particularly with all the various things that have, you know, taken its course this year?
1: Yeah, but I think managing, it's always got challenges. You know, uh, when I first started doing it, it was step seven. It was a, a local team. That had challenges in in, ter- in terms of getting the right players there every week. They're not hung over, or just making sure they, they believe into it. And, and after a while, they, they try their best really and try and get you out of it. And then the next level up is, is uh, challenges in itself probably with the commitment levels that you're asking of them. And then at this level, there's always challenges. So no matter what level you're at, there's always challenges. How you overcome them. Um, but this year's a, a weird one because you know there's no there's no blueprint or no master print and, and tell you what to do with, with this season so it was always going to be the team that managed and coped best with it that was going to come out well but in the end it didn't really matter because um, no one come out of it in the end which is a shame because so many teams have invested so much into it but look I think it's one of them that we all we all put down as experience and have a nice little what four five months or whatever it is till the season starts and just try and get just to try and get it all in order for next season, no matter how long that takes, so that when we do come back, it is with supporters and we're doing it properly again.
0: Do you miss fans? Obviously, you haven't yeah. had a lot of time, but
1: well, of course, you do. I mean, maybe the first month of the season we didn't because we were getting beat every every game, so maybe we didn't miss them so much then. But no, we, we did generally. Um, and, and and do you know what it's proved? And as much as we've always known it, especially at Hemel. It's proved that we are, as a football club, we're nothing without the supporters. You know, it's it's, it's a soulless place without supporters. So, um, and I'm sure the chairman doesn't do it to to warrant not having no supporters there. So it's just proved and made sure that, which we did anyway, but we really, really cherish having the supporters there. Um, and that's what makes the football club tick.
0: Yeah, it'll be great to have them back sooner rather than later. Like you, me and Tom, big non-league advocates we do miss ground hopping and watching the odd team play on a Saturday afternoon when we don't give a damn about what's going on above it. It's quite, (laughs) it is, it is quite fun and you don't get that same feel. I can tell you that for sure from bigger places. So I'm sure when you can open your gates again, it will probably be the the biggest day of the club's history without even knowing it. So we had
1: one game, we had one game, uh, Ahmed that we, um, I think it was Hungerford, but it, it was allowed fans back in, but it was only a certain amount of fans and, to be honest, there were so many regs and rules and all that on the day. And there was councils there, the police was there. And it was like, you've got to wear your mask and you've got to have no singing. And, and to be honest, it was a very clumsy day. The whole day was a bit clumsy. And I don't think anyone would want supporters back if that's, you know, the, what we've got to do to try and get support yeah. back. It, just, it wasn't right and it felt all fake. So uh, when they do come back next year, I think it's going to be a bit of a party time for a little while because everyone's missed it.
0: I, I, and I second that, and I'm sure we, we're excited just as much as you are to be able to be in packed crowds again in the future. Now, talking about your grounds, it used to be grass, and I remember it being one of the boggier pictures in the league, no fault of your own, but... You've for you're one of the few clubs I've decided to convert to 3G this season. It has its controversies in non league because various cl- uh, club fans will say, you know, it has a me- methodical advantage to the home side who are used to the surface. And you are, yeah, I'm fingers crossed, who knows what the future may hold me, yeah. but uh. There are a few clubs of the such as Bromley, Sutton, uh, going on who are in the National League now are doing quite well on these sorts of pitches. How have you found it so far, and will it help you not only on an income basis because you can hire it out to local to locals to use yeah. on uh, on any given time? How important is it though for you to adapt to it, and how have you found it so far?
1: Well, I think I think all clubs ideally would would want a, a grass pitch if if they could as a main pitch, and then have various other pitches attached to it that are 3G that can be done for the community. But it, it, as a football club like we are at Hemel, we've, we've only got one pitch. We've only got the one pitch. So we can't be having all these community and all these junior teams and all that and and not let them on the pitch. You know, what's the point? We, we had, I think, when we had the grass pitch, we had 140-odd junior teams or whatever it was at the club. And they, they never come to the ground. They never got to play on the pitch. So you can't be a community club and, and have that situation, you know. And also, I mean, I my previous club, Bergham's did, they, they tried they, they tried really hard to, to get under-14s, under-13s, and trying to get reserves, um, all sorts playing on the pitch. But in the end, it was a detriment for the, for the first team, if you like, because the pitch was getting so cut up, the grass pitch, and it just... In the end, it was giving the first team the ump that, you know, all these other teams were playing on it. It was a, it was a little bit fractious that way because you're trying... You're trying to keep people off the pitch as a first team and, you know, the the community want to get on it, so it was a bit, again, it was a bit clumsy, but the only one way to have a community, a proper community team with one pitch is to have 3G. Um, And I think people get a little bit uh, romantic with, they see the pitches in pre-season and they see how luscious they look and all that, and I think they forget sometimes what they look like at the end of the season. I know Hemel in particular, and with the chairman, like Dave Boggins, he's He's very much into the community, and, and and forever growing up. I remember that Dave would have um, 25 finals in 25 days in, in April on that pitch, you know. And it looked uh, at the end of it, it, it looked well. What it was bolder than it was bolder than me at the end of it. But it's um, it, it, but you know, Dave wants to do that. It, it is a community thing. So now with the 3G pitch, he can have as many as he likes. He can have 50 games in 25 days, whatever. Now to you know, and and everyone gets a chance to play on it. So. I think it's a great thing and I think it's the future and I think most clubs will do the 3G pitches.
0: Yeah. One advantage I find with uh, having a a pitch now which is accessible to all and not just the first team is it opens up an avenue to bring in local youth talent and I realise now, I've realised that from just being in and around certain non-league clubs in the last uh, 24 months. This will this open an opportunity for you to be able to bring younger players in, not just of the ones that you currently have that can use the pitch, but those who have a talent and you can coax them into a club that have the potential, possibly, of being a long term national league club, which I'm sure is the ambition over there.
1: Yeah, there's no guarantees with with youth kids and, and youth's going to come through to your first team because now uh, you've got all the pro clubs in between, you know. Any any, uh, I'm still said it now. Uh, any seventeen-year-old that's good enough to really, or sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old, eighteen, year if you like, that's good enough to get him Hemel's first team, would really not be at Hemel very long. There'd be a, you know, Watford or there'd be a Stevenages or there'd be someone local doing an academy there. You know, anyone that, that's good enough to be in Hemel's first team, that are going to get snapped up. It's it's gone to them days where really that you can bring lads all the way through. It, it gets a little bit gets a little bit sticky in the middle um, and you don't want to stand in lads ways when they get opportunities like that. So, um, I've been, I've been involved in football a long time. I've, I've never, I've yet to, probably in what's that 30 senior years, 30 plus years. I've yet to see it work really a conveyor belt or, uh, some people get called it a pathway and, and all this sort of stuff. I'm yet to see that. Um, but it's lovely. If, if it's lovely as a community thing, um, I wouldn't worry too much about the first team aspect of it, but as a community thing and getting people together and spending time in a bar and spending money at the football club, brilliant. Yeah, you can do that with the youth, youth section, and um, but but there is a difference. Between, and and if you ever go into it thinking, oh, we're going to bring all these kids from the youth all the way through, I think the jump's too big. The jump's too big at Hemel, really. If you if you're looking at you know at step two, which is semi pro, a lot of pros in there, it's probably too big to be doing it. And, and we don't, we don't look at it that way.
0: Yeah, I wish you could. It's it's, it's one of those, like, you know, those sort of things. Most fans, I, I feel, could say, you know, we have this prodigy that comes in at 18, 19, suddenly rips up the division, scores a bag of goals or puts in a few good cliches and suddenly eyes are on him from above the National League. And in, in my eyes, I wish, it's a part of me wishes we could still have that, but, you know, Dreams can only be dreams. It's really, now, it's really,
1: it's really that way, Ahmed. I mean, more so now you get lads that are that, that, that are released from pro clubs, come into non-league, you know, cut it again at non-league and have a, a restart, get noticed again and then work their way back into full time. It's probably more so that, well, it is more so that than it is uh, football clubs bringing their own players through. Um, and that's probably the, the blueprint now that, that works yeah. more so than not. Yeah.
0: I wish, I, we all wish we can, I, I would one day like to hear a story Homer has to have all 11 of their players homegrown And none of them have been snapped up by bigger clubs It would be a lovely story I, I, Most people would, would be glad to hear it Because yeah. it's a rarity nowadays
1: Yeah, it is a rarity you know, I'd love that story But that won't happen in 100 years, mate So that,
0: that story's not going to happen now yeah, we can wish, though. We can wish. Yeah. Now, obviously, look, focusing on just very quickly on the current scenario in on the pitch matters. Have you seen the National League, even though they are going out, albeit under a great cloud? How have you been watching it from the outside in?
1: Jealousy that they're still playing, really. You know, that's with uh, total envy. Um, I, I, being, being someone involved in non league a long time, I, I don't like the idea of different fractions within it you know if you are non-league you are non-league when was at Berco last year um, the season got pulled um, we, was, we was currently top at the time listen there was still 10 games to go which is 30 points anything anything could have happened in that time but we was in good place um, and it was disappointing to see the the Conference South uh, which was two leagues above us carrying on or not carrying on but doing points per games and people getting promoted and playoffs and stuff like that it was disappointing um and you'd have just liked to have seen really non-league being non-league. If they are going to call it a day, it'll all be done together. But look, we ended up with an elite tag. Um, and the, the, the National League had an, an elite tag, which was great. You know, we, which was fantastic. It kept us playing. Um, but then within that, become two, two different fractions, if you like. And one was carrying on and we've been stopped. So, yeah, I, it's, I think it's disappointing. You know, if the National League was going to stop, it should have all stopped together or if the National League was going to carry on, it should have carried on together not to have, you know, one level stopping and one level carrying on. So, yeah, I do look at them still playing with total envy um, and that's the truth. I won't, I won't, I won't lie about that. I <laughs> want to still be playing.
0: Yeah, I'm sure like many a club, I, I've, I've got friends who play in, not like the high levels of like step two or step three, for example, but they play at step seven, step eight here in London where I live and it is, you know, there are some crestfallen looks when I start talking about, like, those getting away with it with the National League and, start, and they start saying things like, well, well, you know, we could have been able to finish our season safely. We could trust each other to work what we work with each other not to get into any trouble COVID-related or anything like that. And, you know, I sympathise with them. I feel like yeah, they're but, being hard to by
1: You say that, you say that, and now uh, it should be on the other foot. When the reality did come, the start of this season, and step two, step one wasn't allowed fans. If you like, elite football wasn't allowed fans. Um, all the teams below us went absolutely crazy with supporters. They didn't have no, you no, know, they didn't stop it. They didn't uh, segregate at all. I went and watched plenty of games where it was the case of let's squeeze as many supporters as we can. We're allowed to. Um, and I yeah, went to watch. That quick games, crash you know. grab, basically. Yeah, well, it was. It was. And if any club deny that, they're lying. You know, they, they did. They they, they, they thought this is a way we're going to earn a few quid here and just get... Because they had all these sets of supporters that should be watching elite football. Suddenly with nothing to do on a Saturday and they they, they crammed them all in. Um, And so if you look at some of the gates that was received in and around it, it was ridiculous. They double, trebled their gates because they took them all in. No one at any stage then went, do you know what? We should maybe segregate it here because this is getting a bit silly. Um, And, you know, so yeah, I do feel sorry, but a, a little bit. I think there was an opportunity and people grabbed it as well, um, and it goes anything. Every every club looks after himself that way, but it's but you know, I couldn't I couldn't blame any club for doing it because up their budgets and everything, which we, we struggled getting players because of these sorts of things. But you know, it just needs to be done this season when it's done and dusted, and hopefully next season we get it done properly. Um, yeah. it, it'll be a better place.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed, of course. And right. I can see the reverse karma working its way around in this position. Yeah, it, but... it
1: does. It does. You know, it does. It was, you know, we was allowed... And then suddenly <laughs> then suddenly they was allowed to support us. And suddenly they stopped. We was allowed to play again. So we was... Be- it was just crazy. It was just a mm. crazy, crazy situation. Um, yeah. Hopefully we, everyone's learned from that.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean... I wish anyone who is listening has play, we played a part, I'm hoping, in contributing these local clubs' finances. Not in a negative way, of course, but it, w- it was good at the time, but you see the disadvantages for it there and then. Sticking to, obviously, on the pitch, as, uh, like, obviously, you've played a big part in non-league, and I'm sure you, you love it through back-to-front, back, back to front, no matter what. The current season on the pitch, like, I know <laughs> jealousy, as you mentioned, is creeping in because they are playing ahead while you can't do much about it from your <laughs> level, but how have you been seeing the promotion race? There's no relegation now, so you really just all focused on the top seven in the National League, and have you been keeping up with it while it's been going on? Yeah, you, you've been
1: keeping up with it. You know, it's, um, it's very difficult, though, because there's no relegations in that league, so the integrity of the league's totally gone, really. You've got you know, Dover pulling out of it, if you like. You've got Barnet furloughing, Wellstone furloughing players, Barnet furloughing their best players and putting other lads in. Um integrity is gone because there's no relegation. There's nothing to lose from it. So difficult really getting too involved in that league, you know, because it just doesn't feel right. You know, and there is a bit of taste obviously because mm. they're, they're still playing and we're not. Um, but what can you do about it? You don't, if, if someone gets promoted out of their fair play to them, good luck. Um, and there'd, there'd be a promotions, there'd be relegations, but it's, it's it's a bit. It's a bit stagnant that league. So it's, uh, I'm keeping up with it, and it, there's some real good players and real good football in there. But yeah, it's a. You know, what can you do?
0: Yeah, I mean, we as uh, pundits, I would say, uh, take we take as much interest as we can from it because there is the lack of juice. We like to think National North has has the added juice to the overall concoction when it comes to a normal season, and there's always something some drama going on down there as well. So. Personally, from our point of view, since this has been stopped, it's not been the same. And Tom who normally does National League North, he's a massive follower of Gateshead and always has a, yeah. a clean a clean swab over the north. It's not been the same, really. We have another uh correspondent, Oliver, who's not here with us today. Obviously he's a busy man, he's got other things to do. But he does the show. What's, do? What's he gotta do? I don't know what he does <laughs> in his spare time. What's he gotta do. I don't know what he does in his spare time, but one thing's for sure. I'm find he out, he is... Oliver. Where is he? We're <laughs> get him on Twitter. We'll get him on there. Find out what he's up to. We'll, we'll leak him, We'll leak it to you later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's he's a character for sure. He's one of the shy ones in our group, but he does the National League South, so in around your division and. Uh, this season, he really was, you know, we, he had a bet with us. I think if Hungerford finished in the playoffs, he'd do something at the end of it and we'd make him do it. Like apologise to the club or something. And somehow he's got away with it just on a basis. It is null and void. A shame, of course, but we feel like he's owed a forfeit for, for, you know, not giving faith in a team being promoted from one level to the other. It's a right on this.
1: <laughs> it is, yeah. You should make him continue the bet next season. Then. if it's a, bet, it's a bet, isn't it?
0: We're hoping he can if Hungerford keep their form up next year. We may even put it on you guys next year as well. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Now, let's go on to the pitch uh, with you this time. Now, you've had, as I mentioned, 692 appearances, 83 goals for nine different clubs. uh, 82 82
1: penalties, probably, with that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, For a right back, that's not too bad. To be honest, Mm. I've played that position. It's harder to score than it is to bend. But... Let's, let's look back at it because it, it's a very good career especially for the level that you've played at and I feel like a lot of people who play football, especially uh, for as long as you have would have been, I would say, a bit jealous at the number of appearances you racked up How did you stay motivated at such a level to just keep going through the motions? Well,
1: if you love football, you love it, didn't you? So, you know, it was about it was about the social, it's about keeping it fit, it just it's about everything. Um, if you're a football person, like I got, I got three kids that play. Like Miguel, she's fourteen. Like she plays football for a different reason to the ten-year-old. She plays it for the social. The ten-year-old loves it. He wants to be. He wants to be the next Lionel Messi. He takes it serious. And the seven-year-old, he just plays it to get robux on his uh to get on, on, <laughs> you know on, on a computer. If he scores a goal, he gets five pound robux. That's the way he does. It. Oh all, boy! For different reasons, but it's um the most important thing like I said to the kids is that they're playing football in, in their adulthood because for me, obviously I had a brother who's professional and stuff like that, but it still mattered to me on a Saturday. It still, you know, on a Sunday, if we didn't win, it was a horrible place to be, no matter what level I was playing at. So yeah, the football was everything to me and it was a great moment. It just, it's just part of your life. You know, it's what you know. Um, I, I wouldn't change it for the world that way. And, Everyone, there's, a, there's a level for everybody you know, with football. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be about playing at the highest, highest, highest. It, it's, you, there's a level for everyone. And if you find your level and stick to it and just play, it's, it's a great game. It's the best game in the world.
0: Favourite memory from playing at all the clubs you play? Fish Athletic, Greenwich, anything that stands out?
1: Uh, yeah, but there probably wouldn't be football things. They probably wouldn't be football related. They're off the pitch stuff. Um, is it
0: no, safe
1: for the podcast <laughs> of course it's not of course it's not safe
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll save
1: the, the save the blessed
0: <laughs> ears from hearing that funny, um,
1: yeah no but well, it's um, no I had some great times I had some great times played in some great great games I, you know um, I think got to the fourth qualifying from round of the FA Cup um, that was that was a big one for me but um, yeah I had some, had some great times with it and uh, you know I wasn't I wasn't anywhere near the best player to be honest it was just a just a steady Eddie, if you like. I stuck to what I was good at. Um, I was probably better. And you know, manager said to me, you know, you're in the team because you're so good in the changing room. And that didn't matter to me. As long as I was in the team, it, mm-hmm. it was all that mattered. So, no, I had a great time with football. And um, still going now, you know, like, I, still, I still play vets. I still do anything I can to just keep, keep myself. I sign myself every year as a player, just in case. <laughs> um, so I've never actually fully retired yet. So it's always mm-hmm. a, as a player as well. Um, that backfired one year at was two seasons ago we um, I, I, what did we get through to something like the final of the, the league cup but it was all the leagues mixed together and yeah. we pulled in who did we pull in away lowest off the way on a Tuesday night
0: mm.
1: honestly we couldn't get a team out we couldn't I could only get a team out we put cut a couple of 17 year olds in we had 11 players one of them being me last off the way mm. last 40 44 that backfired then because I was ready Um it Backfired massively. Yeah, it's had some good good managers, had some bad ones as well. But it's uh, it, it's all the football learning curve, I suppose. But yeah, love love the time playing football, and I'd, I'd recommend to anyone play as long as you can. Don't don't ever retire. Play as long as you can.
0: All right, nice one, Lee. Very good. So, Tom, you have a couple of things. I'm sure you want to ask him.
2: Yeah, so Lee, I wanted to uh, talk about the managerial side of things. Um, some, I've gone to some general coaching topics in a sec, but I firstly wanted to ask you, um, what inspired you uh, to become uh, a football manager?
1: I, I, didn't, I, I didn't. I didn't ever, at any stage, ever just wanted to be a football manager. It was, um, I just wanted to carry on playing. I, I've said it before, I wanted to keep on playing until I was 60. I, I didn't ever, you know, I was. to be fair, I was probably always a captain at whatever club I was at, and a lot of players... I played with would have probably said, oh, you'll go on to management or something like that. But it wasn't something I ever give much thought to. I I, I was playing for Alzheimer United, I think I was 37, um, and I had a horrendous leg break, dummy, tib and fib. Um, and at that age anyway, like, mother nature was taking its toll on you at that level. Um, and to be honest, I, I made a, a, just in the time, I just went, look, I'm going to come back and play. The doctors all said, You'll never play football again. You know, there's no way. I did a whole, I did a whole year's rehab, um, and then found out that they had to do the whole operation again, um, rip it all out, break my leg again. So I had to start from scratch. A year down the line, so i would have been 38. Um, I've got managed to get myself back. It become a bit of an addiction, to be honest. I wasn't probably the best to live with at the time, because um, all I wanted to do was get back playing football, and it was um, managed to get back, but. I, again never at the level um, I could have done I couldn't do two games in a week because of all the swelling that was involved um, so I went and played for my. Lo- I just went and played for my local team which was Bobbingdon, um, which was literally half. Of- I could walk there from my house um, I went and played there and being an older player the manager left I think I was 40 I've been 40 at the time I might have been 40 um, still playing and the manager left and they asked me look do you want to do it and I swear to God generally I thought well, that's, that's me guaranteed to be playing if I'm picking a team that I can nick another two, three years at least if I'm picking a team <laughs> every week. So I just, I went into it that way. And, uh, it's like anything. If you do it, you want to do it properly or in the end, the team started to come really good and I had not pick myself. And that's one of the, you know, don't worry about dropping players or having tough conversations with friends and dropping them, dropping yourself. one of the hardest conversations you've ever got to have. Um, and then gone from there really. And, uh, Really love the management side. Just really love it. Now I really love everything involved with it. Never beats playing um, for me, anyway. And, and I think for ninety percent of people, playing's the ultimate. But if if it keeps you involved in football, it's it's listen. It's, an, it's an addition, a I addition to the school playground, if you like. It still keeps you young. So yeah, i recommend I'd recommend anyone to to get into it, management, if you can. And don't always go at a high level. Start down the bottom and work your way up if you if you can. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I got into the management side of it. It wasn't um, wasn't something that I set out that I always wanted to do.
2: Um, and before you went to Hemel Hempstead, um, you're very successful at uh, Berkhamstead. Can you talk about why you're so successful there and just why it, it worked so well for you?
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's players. It's players. Players make players make good managers. Players make bad managers, if you like. It's it's all to do with players. Um, all you have got to do is try and make sure you get the right ones in give them a platform, if it works brilliantly, so, you know, sometimes it don't work, um, but no, the, the, the lads at Berk are excellent. You know, they wasn't, I think budget wise, they, they, they probably third worst in that league easily. Um, but they had a real good, there was a real good group amongst them and it just, it, a few good players that it just carried on. And yeah, in the end, that was a, it was a great year. Um, but we didn't get to finish it. So there's nothing on the CV that says we won anything or did anything. It, all it goes is we had the good year, which is a bit of a shame, but no, look, it shows you can do it. Um, but again, it's all to do with the players. You know, you can't take the credit for it. They're the ones that get on the pitch and perform. All you do is just try and line them up and uh, get them the best you can. But yeah, that was fantastic for us.
2: Uh, when you walked through the door at Hamel Hempstead, um, yeah. how excited were you for, for the project there and yeah, Hamel Hempstead being... A real competitive national league south club. Um, so yeah, just talk about sort of your, your feelings when you first walked through the door there.
1: Yeah, it meant everything to me because I've always lived in Hemel. Well, I was born in I was born in Wembley and I moved I moved to Hemel when I was about eleven or twelve. Um, but ever since then, I, I'm I'm a Hemel boy. If anyone ever asks me, I'm, I'm from Hemel. I, I still live in Hemel now. My kids go to school in Hemel, so it's it, it's a town. It means town means everything, you know, it, everything to me that way. Um, and to manage the team, yeah, of course, it, it, it means more. But, you know, it, it adds more pressure to you as well because you want to do so well for your town. Um, and it's something I've always said. With it, if it wasn't if it wasn't going to be QPR, then Hemel would be my next choice as a team I'd want to manage. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's added pressure. Plus, I've known the chairman. I've known the chairman probably what? So if I'm forty-four now, I've probably known him. 30, 34 years since I since I moved to the area, you know, thirty plus years, because it'd be the Dave was the one giving out the the trophies to local Sunday teams on his pitch when they won it. So I've I've known him ever since then. So it means more also to to do well for Dave um, and the football club. So hopefully we can do that. But yeah, getting the job at Hemel was was the ultimate for me really.
2: I wanted to get on some more uh, general coaching topics now. You've actually already touched upon the subject, but I wanted you to elaborate on it more. Um, what are your thoughts on the problems of, of pro academy setups? And have you ever found young players to reject the move to non-league when they're being released by a, a you know pro-level club um, or, or just approach for a low move?
1: It depends. I mean, even at non-league level now, there's, there's agents. And listen, there's good and bad agents. There's... there's there's good and bad parents that give good and bad advice. There's, there's, you know, you can't, you can't judge every kid the same that comes out of it. You get some good ones, you get some bad ones. It's, it's the way it is. But, yeah, it's, it doesn't matter where the kid comes from in that way. If he comes out of the academy, if he comes in and looks the part, looks well, and he's got the right attitude. You give him a go. So I don't, I don't really cast any opinion with the, the academy side of things. I know one thing that I feel that. I don't know whether The academy system's got it wrong Or we get it wrong We're creating Definitely creating Technically better players Without a doubt The lads the, young, the youngsters coming through Are technically so much better Than my generation Whether they're as Physical Or mentally as tough Or that That, that is definitely up for, for Question in that way Because They're just different Every generation is different You know My generation Different to the generation Before me And uh, But yeah they're, they're not the same They're not the same Characters That you used to get uh, but that's, that's society now. So, you know, that, that carries on with the football as
2: well. I wanted to find out, um, is there a coach or manager that's had a big influence on your career?
1: Um, Yeah. But yeah I, I look at, you look back at all the managers you had and you pick out the good bits, you pick out the bad bits. And, you know, the lads, the lads will be doing the same with me. But to be honest, I've said it before, the managers that I used to like, quite honestly, were the ones that picked me. There wasn't, You know, that was it. I I never liked a manager that never picked me. I thought he was useless. Um, And he could be the best manager there's been. But if he weren't going to pick me, I I didn't like him. Um, And that can be said the same now. You know, the the club you're managing, there's only ever 11 players that like you. And that's the 11 that are playing. So don't ever go into football management trying to be popular. Because it's not a popularity contest in any shape or form. You know, you've just got to do the best you can. Um, But yeah, if if I was to pick three managers that 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 really um really asked, that, that was good for me was um, Keith Stevens at, at Fisher probably the best one I had um it, he was it just he was so aggressive he, he just come from Millwall funny, and dropped into the Conference South I think Dr Martin's Premier there um, and I moved there um, after that and he it, it, it was brilliant and. and he was he was aggressive, scared the life out of people. I was right with that. He didn't bother me. He got he got to me in other ways, but it, he was he was great for me, and he put me at a level that I'd never played before. And I played a lot of games for him, so he, he was great. And when I moved back here uh, to, in Hemel after I got married and couldn't afford to move in London, I played for a local team, Kings Langley, and the manager there was was great. Um, we didn't hit it off straight away, fun enough, but. Um, I told him that I was going to do this, that and the other for him. In the end, luckily, <laughs> luckily it turned out and we're still good mates now. Steve Heath, his name is, and he's a manager at AFC Dunstable. And i had one at Al'sby United at the last stage of my career. A lad called Tony Joyce, who just such a character, so funny. Um, and I just loved being in his company and still mates with him now. So more so it was the characters really, the managers that, that, that I really took to and I don't know if I was to say a manager. If I've always looked, if you if you just treat players or treat people and you'd have expected to be treated as a player, whether that's right or wrong or whether players like that or they don't, as long as you can say, look, I'd have expected to be treated like this or I'd have accepted that, that's all you can do. You can't do no wrong with that, with that, with that side of things. You sleep at night knowing that you, this is how you'd have expected to be treated. So that's it, done. Um, but yeah, no, no really inspirational managers that way.
0: Not bad, not bad. Very, it's very interesting to hear your your ideas of like of who you'd idolise as a manager or have trying to ideas from. To follow up on Tom's question, as a manager, what is your philosophy of play? What do you aim to see from your team when you're on the sidelines on a match day?
1: You got to win a game. It's the results. That's that's the be all and end all. Um, and any manager that goes in and says that oh I'm I play a three four three or I play a three five two or I do a four four. I don't know how any manager can say what they play till so they know what tools they got to work with. They you don't know what players you got there. So if at disposal at your club you got the three best centre halves, then you play three at the back. If you haven't got a good centre halves, then you play, you play a four-four. Whatever you do, whatever formation you play, it's got to be right for the team. Um, like through my management, if you like, the the, the first team I was at Bobindon it was at a level that I'm, I knew enough players, uh, good players, uh, and we had a decent pitch. Um, so to be honest, anyone that ever watched us there, it was pure football, no overhead heights. It was all one or two touch, given goals. It was, it was, it was excellent football for that level, um, and we could win the league and be successful doing that. Um, we went to Burko when we went there. Obviously, I've described the problems with the pitch, and I was trying to be a community club, and it was just a real. It was a real bad summer for the pitch. It just it killed I me and we could never and we didn't necessarily have, if you like, the the best, silkiest type of players. We um we, we had good work, good working players, hard working, uh, and a good centre forward that scored goals. So we went a little bit more direct that year. Second year, when we had a, a year in it, we, we got the ball down and played a little bit more and got wingers in. So it I wouldn't say there's any particular way i'd like to play just whatever you can to win a game
0: Mm. and uh, something i'm curious of when i come with uh approach to managers about their ideas as a manager or their philosophies is one how how meticulous are you especially with like if let's say for example um, who knows what the future are, But should Southampton suddenly find themselves in the playoffs one day, you come up against I don't know, Dartford. How would you prepare for that game? How meticulous are you in that set in itself, for example?
1: Well, well, luckily at the level uh, the level we're at now, at Step Two, all the games are filmed. All the games are, uh, and they're all on a database, so you can watch any game you like. So I do that quite regularly. You know, I watch two or three games a week. So it's sometimes it's a bit difficult to try and watch if you're playing a team and you're watching too far back. It's no good watching them six or seven games ago because that's six or seven games ago. So you always try and watch the game before at least. Maybe two. Depends how quick the two games were together. Um, and you, you go from that really. Teams can change it. So you can you can set yourself out to, to go with what, what you see on the, on the videotape. But it might change on a Saturday so there's no good likewise teams watch us so you've got to be a little bit clever as well at times or changing around but um, yeah at this level you get to watch the games um, so you, you you can do a little bit more homework and teams can do it on you so so it's more professional that way
0: definitely mm-hmm. and on the touchline are you one that loves to make sure that they stick to your principles or do you want nothing more than the best from everyone on the pitch from everyone on the pitch
1: what was that? Repeat that question. Sorry, Ahmed. My me, yeah. me
0: earphones were playing up. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, are you one of the touchline that's very animated? Someone who's voicing? Yeah. Makes a lot of like big voice and everything.
1: I try not to be. I, I, I always say to myself, like, don't get too involved, don't be too animated, don't. do um, But I end up probably yeah more animated. But then going back to my playing days, if you if you like, I. I never used to like the manager that that did that wasn't animated. I used to, I used to, if I was playing and I felt my manager was just sitting there doing nothing. I, that used to really wind me up. So, yeah, there's a there's a there's a balance. There's definitely a balance to get right sometimes. Um, and I, I think any manager would say they don't they don't always get that balance right uh, all the time because they're emotionally involved in the game. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably say it depends. Like I've got an assistant manager, Steve Bateman, who I had a. He was with me at Berco, and he's very calm and, and he's very he's very sort of settling, if you like that way, at times. So it allows me to be maybe be a little bit more off the handle, and same way other people need a, a man, an assistant that's more more of a live wire. So yeah, i probably animated. Yeah, I, 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 listen, there'd be plenty of managers and linesmen that probably would say definitely mm. animated, but. It's the way I responded to to things as a player. I'd much better manager that was than Watson.
0: Excellent, and it's good to hear. Obviously, that you're someone who looks ahead and tries as as much as much you can to get the best out of the team, even in the tougher times. Let's talk <laughs> about your let's talk about your division. Uh, it's a as I mentioned, an ultra competitive division. I know. Unfortunately, you're not preparing for a game like you would on... Uh, obviously, this week would be the bank holiday period, so back-to-back games on Friday and then Monday yeah, as shame. well. A yeah, shame, they're great games. Hey?
1: Great games, good oh. weather usually, great games.
0: Yeah, fantastic events they are. But, no. but let's talk about your division. Obviously, you haven't got to worry too much right now, but next season, I'm sure, will be as competitive as any other. In yep. your division who would you say are like the standout sides for you? And who would you say could be a challenge to come up against next season or the dark horse next season? It'd be the same
1: teams that are up there now, really the, the Dawkins, the Dartfords. um, sort S- a great year this year. They might be able to repeat that next year, but there would be a few in there that underperformed as well. That'd be right up there. Maidstone, Ebbsfleet, Fleet haven't, um, there's some big clubs in that, in that league, you know, there were some real big ones. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 you know, usually it's the ones with the biggest budgets are up there usually. That's how football works, you know. If you, if you line any league up and you line them up on what the budgets are, their team's usually finishing around that. So, And there's some, there's some big ones in there and you know they'll be up there again this year. But, yeah, Dorkin won't be change. The manager will still have them firing. Same as Dartford, they'll be up there. So I'm not expecting too different... You always get a dark horse comes through. This year it was probably Hungerford. In our league that was the one that surprised people. Um, Oxford City, you know, had a nice strong finish, so they'll be up there again next year. So, yeah, look, finishing in the top 10 in the conference south is a good season with, with everything that's in there. Um, but obviously, you want more as manager, no one wants to go into managing or you know, no chairman wants to just go in things, just finish in 10th place. Everyone wants to be in and around the playoffs or promotion, so there's no point going into a season not. Not, I'm not
0: having that aim. So that's what we'll be aiming for. Mm. And obviously, I'm sure your, uh, I'm sure Kerry has big ambitions as well to aim. Obviously, every club enters this division to aim high They don't get there just on virtue. What do you aim for with Hamill Hempstead next season? Player recruitment, obviously, taking into account. And I know you can't draw like uh, a big name or something like that. As I'm sure you could, but especially at National League South. It Can offer the opportunity For a dark horse Such as The Hungerfords You mentioned Or possibly even I don't know A surprise Himmel? Outside of the upset. Who knows Who knows <laughs> What, what uh, do you hope for Next season
1: uh, Player recruitment's key it, it always is Always will be And that'll be the same In the Premier League All the way down Recruitment And you can't always Get it right It's impossible You know The best managers You could you know, they, got one, they probably got one wrong you know, it's, it's it's the way it is. Um, but you just hope to get it right in one season where it all clicks together. And I've always said the biggest the biggest fallacy in football is the one about the team spirit. You know, you hear oh, they've got great team spirit. They got well, that's only because they're winning. You know, it, no one no one down the bottom's got a great team spirit. It just isn't that way. You're not when you're losing every week. It's impossible. You you can't get a good team spirit when you're, you're getting beat. So, and the teams at the top have always got a great team spirit. So that's that's one of them that, that you know that that's a bit of a fallacy in football. But you try and get the characters right in, within the camp. You, you you do try that and you, you do try and get some characters in that, that resemble yourself and how you go about things. Not all of them because you can't have a team full of the same players, but recruitment. Yeah. It can't be as much as coaching is important as much as anything else. It's the players, you know, players make you, players make you a good team. Um, and the best players manage themselves anyway on a pitch. There's only so much you can do. But, yeah, recruitment's key. And we've got to make sure we get that right this year because um, half of it last year was probably wrong. We got the wrong players um, last year, which we, we did come into it late. There was reasons for that why we, we got it slightly a bit wrong. Uh, it wasn't as if we didn't have enough players in the office, the right players we wanted to try and get. We just we couldn't get them in for one reason or the other, you know, finances being one, a big one. Um, but hopefully this year we, we can get it right and we'll have at least a base a, a good base of players which we, we didn't have you know when we come in at ML, the whole squad had gone it wasn't like we, we had anyone there that we that we could rely on and go with well, there's six that we know done well last year didn't have anything so we were restarting again in a Covid year so in the end look, yeah we was happy with how it ended up but going back to recruitment yes, yeah, key
0: yeah and uh, in terms of on the pitch next season I again Drawing the players in, in taking it into account, I'm sure if you wish you could get the players you wanted in, where would you hope to finish next season?
1: Top. You gotta want to finish top, don't you? That's that's the whole point. What's the what's the point
0: in doing? Love your it? ambition, you Lee. I love it. I really. love it already. I love your ambition already.
1: No, you, you gotta want to finish top. You know, the, 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 any manager at home, would be, what's the point in doing it? You have gotta finish. Want to finish top? Yeah, you know, and that's that's why we all do it.
0: Yeah. Well, fingers crossed on that front. One more thing about <laughs> obviously your time in the division so far, albeit minimal. I'm sure you'll want to grow that over the next few years, hopefully. You do have fingers, fingers crossed for you. Touch one and yeah. all. Um, as a coach, how... How do you feel you've improved in the time you've managed in this division? As a manager, I'm sure you've managed to understand the challenges involved and the little tribulations that come with being a manager in this division. But as a coach, how have you improved?
1: I I don't. I'm not really. I don't really class myself as a coach. I don't think there's. I think now the days of the manager who's the coach who does this who does that. I think they're gone. And if I go back to my playing days again if the manager was the coach and if it, I got fed up of his voice, if I'm honest, Ahmed, you know, I was sick sick of hearing it because he, mm. you've got no break. You know, if the, the, you'd hear the manager doing the team talk, then you hear the manager on the, on the, the training pitch. And you, I, in the end, it just, it was the same noise over and over again. So I try, you know, I try and not do that. You, you try and be a manager because um, they are different roles now. The, the, it's, it's, and I've always said, like, if you if, you, if you're not, great in one aspect of your game get someone in that is good at it because um, you can't do it all you can't be good at all of it well, you're you on one way to failure then so stick to what you're good at uh, but with the managing side of it this year yeah massively um, the, the jump from step four to two has been huge um, and we've learnt so much as a whole staff like all of us we've learnt so much in this period that um, you're, you're not going to get any other way without trying it out so yeah it's been brilliant that, that side of it Ahmed and uh Hopefully we can kick on again next year, but yeah the coaches the coach been they've been excellent the coaches what they're trying to do and it, it, it's on a 3G pitch, so we've got to try and get the ball down and play. There's no good lumping it on a 3G pitch, so their the work's been cut out, definitely trying to get the ball down and play, but that's, that's what we've got to try and do
0: mm. finally, Humble, obviously this next we know next season is not given. we don't know what may happen but what while you are still at the helm over over there? Where do you see
1: Hamill, uh, next in the next few years, and yourself next in the next few years? Hopefully, still at Hamill. I, 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 you know, I, I want, to, I want to take him as, as far as I can. I said earlier, the chairman's been there, twenty-five years. He, he lives, his house backs onto the pitch. It's um, you can, you can, you can walk, walk with pitch, walk through to his garden. He's that close. So, i w- I'd love to be the manager that takes him up to the next level. I'd love to be. Um, if I'm not, it won't be for the want of trying, and it won't be for the passion and love for the club, because I've got I've got all that. It'd just be you need you need luck, you need you need it to all, all come together at once. But yeah, I, I'd like to take Hemel as far as I can. I've no ambition to manage any other club, that's for sure. This is um, if, and this is QBR and I don't I think Coopiar is quite a way off. So um, so yeah, so. Uh, no, Hemel for me, or Hemel or Bust at the minute. So that's all I'm
0: focusing on. You're still young, Lee. I think there's time oh, in you yet to... I look young, I look young. There. I'll take the cap off, I don't. But it's, uh... <laughs> manage, in manager years, you're still young. I think you've got plenty of time to get to Loft Australia yet. Don't worry about that.
1: I just I just put a load of old-looking people alongside in their dugout, and that's what I do, and it just makes you look great
0: then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Tom, take us home, mate. Oh yeah, Salia. So, I
2: just wanted to find out some more uh, sort of behind the scenes stuff. Um, can you sort of tell us what a manager's daily routine is like?
1: Well, mine's getting up, down to work, on, on the building site. I'm an electrician, so it's a little bit different. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously not full time. There are some full times yeah. in there, but uh, on a Saturday, it's yeah. You, you, you try and get there. Try and get there nice and early. Not too early that you end up drained by the time. Um, by the time the boys turn up, you try and get there an hour or two before the boys, so at least an hour. Um, get all your, get all your, take, get all your pieces flat uh, and just have a chat, have a coffee, just relax. Um, get the boys in probably about an hour and a half before the game. I've been at some teams where they try and get them in two hours before the game, and it's just too long. You know, you're, you're cheesed off by the time the game comes around. But um, give them a little talk. Let them go out for a warm up and then that's it. It's just a normal game of football. So, um, nothing nothing all, nothing magical on, on, on match days and that. It's diff- obviously, midweeks are different because most of us are working. So, we go and do our day's work and then try and get to scrambling about trying to get to the game afterwards. So, it's still non league that way. And I love that side of it. You know, it's, it's what we all are. We're a non league club
2: and actually you touched on recruiting players. could you sort of give me an insight at what the process is at hemel um, you know to going about uh, recruiting players
1: you, you try you try and watch them you try and watch the players i mean this this has been incredibly difficult obviously this year because there's been no games to go and watch you can't go and watch them um, and it's also difficult as well because we play two teams if you like in the league below uh, played the same base so it's it's hard to go out and get watch players you you can always get someone to watch players for you, but nothing beats your own. You know, two people can watch the same player. They'll have two different views totally. So um, I try and make sure the recruitment's done between myself or the assistant. And we make we make sure we do it and we watch them. Um, if not, like I said before, you get to watch them on the Y-Scout, the which you, you watch a database of players and you get to watch them on that. It's always difficult, again, watching them off a TV screen, but at least it gives you some idea. Um, but th- there's no... There's no magic formula to sign them. You you, you, get, you you try and get more right than you get wrong. That's all you can do. Um, sometimes it works, other times it doesn't, but touch wood. Um, the ratio has been good as a manager so far and long may that continue.
2: I also wanted to know, how do you keep the players motivated um, so they don't come become complacent?
1: Um, I, I'd like to think the players you're getting in Anyway, they take control of that themselves. Otherwise, they're not the right individuals you want at the football club. So, um, you shouldn't ever have to motivate players at this level that, that want to play. You know, it, that, that, it was tough motivating, not motivating us. We all the lockdowns to keep lads believing that there is going to be an end, um, and eventually, look, there wasn't an end. But at the time, I believed there was an end, and my chairman believed there was an end to it, and. We was all told there was an end. So it was a little bit, of, it was a little bit tough at times with a stop and start and to keep pushing lads and keep doing them. No, there's only so much training you can do. Um, but yeah, motivating players to, to want to do well, that's that's part of your recruitment that comes together, getting the right
2: characters. And the last question I wanted to ask you, Lee, is if there were three things you wanted an opposition coach or manager to say about your team, what would they be? Oh, they smashed
1: us. They smashed us. They're the best team we've played against this year. Um, <laughs> them ones. But if a team said, no, they, they're working. You see, they work for a manager. Um, Organised. All the usual bits. But, yeah, you you you, you like them to say nice things. But to be honest, you don't give a monkey's what the other managers say about your team. It's what, it's what you feel about your own team. So, um, listen, a, a, another manager's never complimentary on a team when, they, when they've lost. No, there's no way that happens. We're only you in the team when they've won comfortably. So hopefully, nine times out of ten, your manager won't talk about, the other manager won't talk about your team. So, um, yeah, that's not really, there's not really an answer for that. But hopefully, as a manager, if you can get your teams at least working hard as a bare minimum, that's, that's, that is, that's like I said, your bare minimum.
0: Brilliant. One more before we send you away. I know we don't mean <laughs> to, but... Obviously, the last week, National League-wise, has been tumultuous, to say the least. And I'm sure you've been, like everyone else, following news regarding, obviously, the decisions that have been made to various clubs who opted not to play during the period when the league was suspended or when it came out of the suspension. But from your point of view, I'm sure you are best placed at the club to be able to... Uh, give us an idea of what you guys think of it. How have you reacted to the national league's uh, stance on the matter? And I am sure, are you going to be following in the footsteps of Maidstone and talking in uh, starting an EGM soon?
1: Uh, I, that side of it, I don't know. All I know is we, when we, first when we got the job, like the, the, the chairman obviously got us in and said, "Look, this is this is your budget for the season. This is your budget per week." Um, it doesn't it's not dependent on what fans we get in it's not dependent on what funding this is this is it Um, but it will guarantee that throughout the season so so when we received all the grants and all the other bits we it was budgeted it was done we could do the season on it Um, our downfall was that obviously not all the other clubs were doing the same so when the funding stopped they had to stop you know there was no other way to do it so every every team you can't criticise a team because you don't know their reasons for doing it, you know. It, as time goes on, obviously, it gets a little bit. You get a little, little bit less angry about it. But at the time, I was angry because we wanted to still play. Um, and it's not that we was in the hunt for promotion, or anything like that. We just generally wanted to keep playing football. It was um, that's, that's that's what we was there for. That's what we want to do. But yeah, do do I do I have bad? Well, I, the only bad thing is I have is that. When, when Burko got curtailed or got stopped, it was a, it was a government decision, that, uh, and the FA went, "Right, I see Stop the football." There was no vote process; it was just done. Everyone, it, was, it was done that way. So, it's um, for this one to be, to this one to be stopped. It was stopped when clubs didn't have to. There was, it wasn't a safety thing; it was pure money um, was the reason we stopped. And that was a, that was a tough one to swallow. Um, it must have been a lot tougher for the teams at the top as well, because they've invested so much into their season, um, but it's done now, um, every club did what's right for their club, and the most important thing, I suppose, was clubs didn't go to the wall with it, um, and there was no blueprint for the season, it, it, it was just you know, disappointing that we, 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 called, we called a day on it, and we couldn't restart in any shape or form, but that's done now, and we've got to move on to next season.
0: And then the future, what do yeah. you hope for?
1: Hemel in the Premier League, yeah?
0: That's what we want.
1: <laughs>
0: we can all dream. We all play football manager. You started it. You
1: started it with 12 local <laughs> players. You started that dreaming. Yeah?
0: Well, I take credit for it if it happens, Lee. That's one thing for sure. Uh, check should be in a post in 15 years from now. Lee Bertram, um, it's an honour. Thank you so much for coming onto our show today. It's been great. Have brilliant having you. Uh, we wish you all the best of luck in the, hopefully with all, you know, pattern yeah. pending and pandemic pending in particular, the yeah. next season is a much more fruitful and fulfilling season for you and everyone up at Hemel. And me and Tom have been gratefully honoured to be able to share many a thought with you this afternoon.
1: Brilliant. Great stuff, Jeps.
0: Great stuff. thanks. Yes, for Lee and I and Tom, thank you everyone for listening to this particular Not The 92 Extra. It's been a great show. We've had so much to learn from Lee and from his experience, not only as a player, but also managing in a very difficult time during this pandemic. If you've enjoyed it, uh, as always, there's always an opportunity to not only listen back to this, but to listen back to all of our Not The 92 Extras we've done so far. We've had so many great guests uh, that have come on in the past. You have... Great catalogue of shows. Our weekly show will be out very soon as well, so keep an eye out there too. But that's it from us today. Now we're back with the bang. You can look forward to more of our weekly shows and more great guests on our Not The Lady too. But if you don't know now, now you know. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you very soon. Good night.